Normally, when it comes to revenge in movies, it's pretty action-packed, which means you probably don't think too hard about the deep meaning behind it. But we're looking at these movies through a true crime lens, allowing them to remind us of real cases that parallel their plots. Revenge is often messy, mostly illegal, and likely counterproductive, both on screen and off. And that's a lesson that's driven home pretty hard at number one. Here's a hint. It's a two-for-one movie special, motivated by a kill list. While it's not based on a true story, we found crimes that mimicked it in real life, which is terrifying. Hey all you weirdos, welcome to Crime Countdown, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every week we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes, all picked by the Parcast research gods. This episode, we're counting down the top 10 female revenge movies. And a lot of people, and I'm sure this has happened to you too, that a lot of people ask me with movies, like horror movies, if our job in true crime has changed how we see these kind of movies. Yep, I get that one a lot. Yeah, that's a question I get a lot. Um, And mainly just because of like, you know, you can think of it with like real life implications and consequences, Mm -hmm. obviously. But to be honest, at least with me, I can only speak for me, movies have always and will always be just escapism for me they're just a total escape i suspend reality for most movies always and that's why i can enjoy watching like carrie mulligan on a reign of revenge and be like yeah carrie mulligan because it's not real and i'm watching it you know it's a movie it's fake it's art i'm here for it go carrie mulligan go I feel like you're dropping a pretty serious <laughs> hint and I'm like mad that that could be on your side of the list because I love that movie. If Just it's, saying. If it's what I'm thinking of. But I have quite a few movies that I haven't seen actually, but I feel like you're going to know them and you're going to be really excited. Probably. And I feel like you're probably going to have some that I love because I was like waiting to see them on my side I know of the list. I will. But I have number one this time around. And I'm very embarrassed to admit that I've actually never seen the movie. Ooh. But I think it is literally the staple of revenge movies. Oh, I wonder if it's what I'm thinking of. It probably is, but I guess you're going to have to wait to find out. Because Elena has five awesome movies, and so do I. But neither of us knows what the other person's bringing to the list. Let's start the countdown. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. I'll start us off with number 10, The Beguiled. The 2017 film was adapted by director Sofia Coppola from a 1966 novel and is set three years into the Civil War. The movie deals with a group of women, led by Nicole Kidman, my girl, tending to a wounded soldier, played by Colin Farrell. All the women become infatuated with him, but he's playing them all. It's a situation that brings out a lot of jealousy and eventually turns deadly, something we've seen in many true crime cases that we've talked about on this show. So let's talk about the film's plot first. Again, the Civil War is three years deep. Nicole Kidman plays the headmistress of a secluded seminary in the South, where the only people left are a handful of students and one teacher, played by Kirsten Dunst. I love Kirsten Dunst. I was going to say, another great actress. The war has scattered everyone else. The women continue to live their lives as normal as possible, teaching lessons and learning Southern etiquette, you know even though you can hear the war just outside their windows. Oh, which and the is fact wild. that that like, is real, that yeah, is terrifying. Just right in the background. The film begins with one student finding a wounded Union soldier, Colin Farrell, and brings him back to the school to be cared for. Now, they could turn the soldier over to the Confederacy, or even give him back to his Union side, but they decide to care for him instead. A choice, ladies, a choice. He is pretty cute. He's Colin Farrell, so I get it. (laughs) The soldier then starts manipulating the women into separate relationships with him. They all become jealous of each other. What a phony. In the end, the women come together to get their revenge on him. Oh, that is my (laughs) favorite kind of movie. Yes. Have you ever seen The Other Woman? Yes. Amazing. (laughs) Yes. You're like, "Mm -hmm." I'm like, that's it. I love it. But that's not what this is about. Go ahead. (laughs) So (laughs) a review from Vox says, quote, as a film, The Beguiled is thrilling, delicious, wicked fun. But there's also something purely pleasurable and no less cathartic in the 21st century than it might have been in the 19th to see a cowardly man with far too much self-regard and far too few scruples get what he deserves. I agree. So the movie is obviously pure entertainment, but it did inspire us to bring up a couple true crime cases. In the film, the Colin Farrell soldier character also happens to be an Irishman who took the place of a Union soldier who bailed on the war. So it's like a little more layered. Yeah. Military desertion is a real crime. That detail of the story reminded us of the Army Sergeant Bo Bergdahl case, who abandoned his post in Afghanistan in 2009. He ended up being captured by insurgents who held him for five years. The jealousy between the women in the film also triggered our memory of the very first episodes of Crime Countdown. We did an episode called Fatal Romances that featured the case of Myra Morton. I remember that one. Yes, I knew you would. Myra killed her bigamist husband in 2007 after becoming overwhelmed with jealousy and humiliation over his new wife. It's a wild case. You'll have to go back and listen to more about that one. 
I personally have not seen The Beguiled. No, me either. But I desperately wanted to see it when I saw the ad for it, but I just never, I'm terrible at seeing movies in any kind of normal amount of time. Me too. So now that I remember it, it's been like, you know, just flagged in my memory now. I have to watch this. I know. I feel like this whole list is just going to be like a list of movies that I should go watch. (laughs) You're just like putting it on the list. But I do remember, obviously, the Myra Morton case. That one was really sad. That one stuck in my head. Yeah. And the Bo Bergdahl case, I remember that being everywhere. Mm -hmm, Yep. So it definitely rings familiar. Yeah, I remember both of those for sure. Nine. At number nine is the 2006 movie Hard Candy. Revenge gets taken out on a pedophile played by Patrick Wilson, who's been committing horrible acts against young women he meets online. If you put a real-life mirror up against this idea, it's a double-edged sword. You want consequences, but you're also cheering on a criminal act in itself. Vigilante justice is a hot topic we've seen often. Luckily, when it comes to movies, you can let that moral debate rest a bit since it's just fiction. That's always how I feel about movies. It's yeah. like, I'm, uh, it's not real, so I'm just going <laughs> right. to get, I'm gonna suspend total reality for it. Yeah. Well, in the film, we meet Jeff, a 32-year-old photographer slash pedophile that lures young girls by logging into teen chat rooms. In other words, Jeff is a monster. Yes. So sadly, even more than 15 years later, this is a real-life situation we see. But with social media now stepping in for chat rooms. Of course. It reminds me, honestly, of How to Catch a Predator. Oh, I immediately thought of that. Like, do you remember just like coming home and watching that and being like, oh, this is so scary. And I watched it so differently before I have kids. Like, before I had kids, we would watch it and be like, oh, my God, this is horrible. Mm -hmm. But it was like fascinating to watch these people get caught this way. Oh, yeah. And now watching it, it adds such a different layer of like just complete horror and disgust that I never even knew possible. It was something like I used to watch. Like my yeah. mom would be like, let's watch this when I started using the internet. Yeah, like which is getting smart. like AIM and everything. Yeah. Well, catching predators should be left to the authorities. Yes. There was a man in Alaska in 2016 who took it upon himself to attack sexual predators and ended up in trouble for that. In the movie, a 14-year-old girl named Haley ends up turning the tables on Predator Jeff. She agrees to meet up with him at his place. When he offers her a drink, she says, I know better than to accept a drink mixed by a strange man. Haley is the best. So Haley instead makes the drinks. Jeff passes out. And when he comes to, he's tied up. There's a spoiler alert about this next scene. At the end of the film, there's a scene where we're led to believe that Haley has castrated Jeff and that it isn't her first rodeo in doing this to someone, which does make you question her past a little bit. (laughs) Because you're like, are you okay, though? Right? Should we see someone? She's fine. That scene is reminiscent of the Lorena Bobbitt case in the 90s, which became a tabloid headline. Most people just know her as the woman who cut her husband's penis off, but the entire incident was fueled by revenge for her husband's alleged abuse. And that does get taken out of the narrative a lot. It absolutely does. They focus on that one bit, and it's like, yeah, but not. I'm not saying anything about this was right, but I'm saying stuff led up to that. It wasn't her just like snapping one day and being like, let's just do this for fun. You have to tell the whole story. Yeah. Well, the entire movie itself was inspired by the true story of a group of schoolgirls in Japan who reportedly lured men into an apartment with the promise of sex and then beat them and robbed them. 
Whoa, I didn't know about that. Yeah, all kinds of chaos up here in number nine. I will say Hard Candy is a wild film. I haven't seen it, but now I'd like to. There you go. Eight. Number eight on our countdown of female revenge movies is Promising Young Woman. Similar to number nine's Hard Candy, Promising Young Woman's storyline of vigilante justice can also be divisive. In the movie, Carrie Mulligan's character, Cassie, spends her weekends going out to bars and clubs and pretends to be drunk in order to get revenge on men who attempt to take advantage of her. It's her way of working through anger towards the man who has sexually assaulted her friend, until she sees an opportunity to finally ruin his life for what he did. This movie is everything. I've heard amazing things it's about this movie. It's so good. Now, it's a sad reality that women are constantly being taken advantage of when they're vulnerable, especially while out drinking. Mm -hmm. Writer-director Emerald Fennell told the BBC, quote, It's a huge part of hookup culture, regrettably, and there still isn't much harsh criticism on people who sleep with very drunk girls. It was absolutely commonplace when I was growing up. I think probably in most places it still is. We saw this in the case of Brock Turner, the Stanford swimmer who was convicted of a 2015 sexual assault and attempted rape of a woman who had passed out from drinking on campus. Brock is the first one I thought of mm -hmm. with this, by the way. Yep. Brock Turner was controversially sentenced to six months in prison. The judge was recalled in a 2018 vote in his county following that sentence. And in the era of Me Too, Promising Young Woman provides a revenge fantasy and an outlet for the frustration of seeing true crime cases like Brock Turner's. It truly does. Audiences get to watch the Cassie character fight back against men who ignore her pleas to let her sleep or her saying she doesn't feel well. We get to experience Cassie snap out of her fake drunkenness at just the right time to see the shocked look on the men's faces when she soberly asks, what are you doing? But afterwards, the movie leaves room for the audience's imaginations as to what else she does to make them pay. Oh, it's so good. The New York Times is quoted saying, she logs the encounter in a fat notebook filled with red and black tallies. What the colors represent is, like too many aspects of the wildly improbable plot, unexplained. I don't know about that. It's implied. <laughs> it feels like it's implied. Two plus two equals yeah. four, sir. Cassie's weekend actions are the result of her working through the trauma of her best friend who took her own life after being raped. In the end, she finds an opportunity to pay back the man who hurt her best friend, though things don't end so smoothly. No spoilers here. Whether you agree with the lead character's actions or not, Emerald Fennell told BBC, quote, I still think a lot of people haven't thought about the stuff we discuss in this film very deeply, or they haven't thought about that kind of soft coercion that we often see. And I agree with that. Yeah, definitely. I think people aren't thinking about like the reality of this whole thing. No, I don't think so either. Seven. At number seven this week is... Lady Vengeance. This is one of three movies about vengeance from the same South Korean director who first gave us Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance in 2002 and Old Boy in 2003. Lady Vengeance came out in 2005 and takes on the concept of being wrongly imprisoned for a crime you didn't commit. 
Thanks to organizations like the Innocence Project, we see real-life cases like this getting attention. But those usually end with settlements, while the lead character in Lady Vengeance decides to take matters into her own hands. So the plot. The lead character in Lady Vengeance spends 13 years in prison after confessing to a crime she did not commit. True crime stories featuring false confessions have become popular in the last couple of years. It started with shows like Making a Murderer on Netflix. Netflix also had a huge impact with the New York Central Park jogger case when they released When They See Us. Have you seen that? You know what? I saw that one, and that's actually one of the first one I thought of when you started talking about like false confessions. Mm -hmm. When They See Us, and then obviously Making a Murderer, a lot of people think about that one. And obviously, the one I always go back to I know is the West say. Memphis Three. Yep. Because whenever I think of Jesse's confession on there, it's it's like the false confession that pops into my mind. Me too. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. So if you haven't seen Paradise Lost, I think it's on HBO. Yeah. All Check three of them are, I mean, unbelievably horrifying and really sad, but wow, it's an eye-opener. Seriously. Well, before the concept of real false confessions became a big deal, Lady Vengeance put it on screen in 2005. Our leading lady goes to prison for the kidnapping and murder of a young child, but she was set up. So after 13 years, she gets out of prison and decides to get revenge on those that put her there. The movie includes a flashback to her time in prison and how she planned her revenge with the help of other prisoners. 13 years for a fictional character is a long sentence, but there was a real case in Nevada where a woman spent nearly 34 years in prison for a murder that she didn't commit. I can't even fathom. 34 years of your life lost for something that you didn't even do. That's almost my entire life. It is. Kathy Woods was released in 2014 at the age of 64, so she spent more than half of her life wrongly imprisoned. Wow. She received millions of dollars in settlements before she died in August 2021 at the age of 72. But so much of your life has been taken from you. It's so sad. And there's and like, nothing you can do about it. And millions of dollars doesn't make up no, for No, it doesn't give you those years back. It doesn't give you time. Also on our list at number six is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. A little teaser, this is the first of two David Fincher-directed movies on the countdown. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, 2011, was adapted from the 2005 Swedish novel. It stars Rooney Mara as Lisbeth Salander, who's a private investigator slash hacker. She teams up with a journalist, played by Daniel Craig, to solve the cold case of a killer who targets women. Part of her motivation is because men have treated her badly, especially her state-appointed guardian turned rapist. Film creds said it best when they reported that the character of Lisbeth, quote, rejects the conventional societal ideas of womanhood. Her style can be described as androgynous, and she's somewhat standoffish, which of course brings the unwelcomed outspoken opinions of men. But as a private investigator and hacker, she's the best. She helped do a background check on Daniel Craig's character, who after finding out she dug up the dirt on him, hires her to help him solve a 40 plus year old cold case. I love how convoluted it so is. So I love that she found dirt on him and he was like, that's pretty impressive. Maybe you can help me now. He's like, respect. <laughs> respect. So Daniel Craig is hired by a very rich man, Christopher Plummer, who wants Craig to investigate his family and find out what happened to Plummer's niece. 
Meanwhile, Lisbeth has a state-appointed guardian who suffers a stroke and is replaced by the horrible man who ended up raping Lisbeth. But Lisbeth plots and executes a counterattack slash assault on him the next time she sees him. I know it's a little like hard to follow. She even tattoos his chest to permanently mark him for what he is. Icon. Yeah. Like she is the icon. In the movie. Yes. You get several other small doses of revenge, but most prominently is the payback on her guardian and the catching of a killer of women. Now in real life, the author of the book this movie was based on had his own experiences that inspired his characters and stories. When Stieg Larsson was 15 years old, he witnessed the rape of a young girl named Lisbeth and did not intervene. He tried to apologize to her later, but she refused. And that event haunted him his whole life. Larson, who was an investigative journalist turned author, died in 2004. But his friend says that event was a catalyst for his work. I never knew the the meaning behind that. Yeah, that it's actual. I mean, that's writing from a real, real place and a yeah. real dark place. Well, and hopefully, like the real Lisbeth saw that and was like, "Hey, yeah." That's hopefully, me. it helps in some some yeah, way. Yeah, helps some heal way, the trauma. Form. But wow, and what a movie that movie is! I haven't seen it. It's long, but it's really good. It sounds like it's worth My it. My dad loves that movie. He does. <laughs> he does. I remember coming home and he's like, "You ever seen this?" <laughs> no. The fact that Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is number, what, six and not, <laughs> not number one, I'm like, what is happening here? Oh, but, but number one, I think you're going to be excited about. Hmm. hmm. I mean, and also, I think it was Promising Young Woman that I, when I saw that, I was like, wow, what you... is coming up closer to number one that this isn't there? I know. And you still need to see that movie. Like, I need you I to watch do. it. I really need to. But now I'm, I'm excited? Question mark. <laughs> I'm nervous. For the top five. The most urgent mysteries in the world are missing persons cases. The stakes are too high not to pursue every plausible possibility, and some implausible ones too. I'm Sarah Turney, host of the new podcast, Disappearances. In 2020, after spending years searching for the truth, I used social media to help bring justice to my sister Alyssa's nearly two decades long disappearance. Now, every Thursday on Spotify, I'm exploring the many reasons people disappear and the impact their absences can have on those left behind. From child abductions and mystifying murders to those who took drastic measures to start over, each episode of Disappearances journeys through a different high-profile missing persons case, ripped from the headlines and ripe for explanation because no one just vanishes into thin air. The answers are out there, waiting to be found. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Disappearances. Hear a new episode every Thursday, free and only on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
All right, let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of female revenge movies. Starting off the second half of our list is Thelma and Louise. It's become a regular pop culture reference since it came out in 1991, mostly for the road trip and escaping crappy marriages plot points. So it's easy to overlook the revenge part where Thelma is the victim of an attempted rape, saved by Louise who ends up shooting and killing the man. From there, their weekend getaway turns into a much different trip. This is a great movie. <laughs> In 2018, the local CBS affiliate in New Orleans did an investigation and discovered out of 100 women serving life sentences in the state of Louisiana, 21 of them were there for killing their abuser. Wow. Isn't that sad? Wow, that's sad in so many ways. Mm -hmm. That's really the catalyst for Thelma and Louise going on the run. They thought, as women, no one would believe their story, and they'd definitely go straight to prison like those Louisiana women did in real life. Witnesses saw Thelma dancing with the man in the bar prior to him attacking her in the alleyway. Slut-shaming was a real threat, and still is. Oh, yeah. So Thelma and Louise go on the run from the law. Already somewhat running from their terrible marriages, the movie then becomes a revenge fantasy, driven by the idea that violence begets violence, meaning they are forced to shoot the rapist. And when Brad Pitt's character steals their money, they have no choice but to get money in an illegal way. And in one scene in particular, when a truck driver catcalls the two of them, they blow up his fuel tanker, leaving him stranded in the middle of nowhere. It's an intense reaction. <laughs> it's an intense reaction, but you know, they've been wronged a lot. But and again, great movie. It's a movie. Exactly. In the end, the women decide they will not be arrested and end up in prison to be punished simply for getting back at a world that kept them down because they were women. Spoiler alert. Thelma and Louise end up driving the car off the cliff into the Grand Canyon. It is an iconic scene. You know, I've never seen this movie still. Really? I gotta watch it. Wow. You well, got some homework to do. I have so much homework to do. But let's relate this back to real life. There was a French woman in 2021 that was sentenced to four years in prison for killing her abuser, but actually walked free. Wow. She already served one year in prison waiting for her trial, and the judge suspended her other three years, saying her, quote, judgment had been altered by the abuse she suffered. That should be taken into account there. Absolutely, it should. Domestic violence activists had rallied around the woman throughout her case, but the point in Thelma and Louise, especially in the 90s, was they couldn't trust to have that kind of support, even in a fictional world. That's really sad. It is. Four. Landing at number four this week is Mad Max Fury Road. On the surface, this one seems like a straightforward action film, or more specifically a quote, feature-length car chase, as Salon called it. But like Thelma and Louise, Mad Max Fury Road is also a story about a group of women escaping their abuser and getting revenge. Here with the help of Charlize Theron, who promises to get them to, quote, the green place far away from the man who has held them captive. The movie is actually a very long car chase, with Charlize smuggling the five brides out of captivity. The five women are the so-called property of a Morton Joe. He enslaved them and raped them and used them to have his children. 
Charlize's character, Furiosa, was kidnapped as a child and has been working for Joe, who has treated her and everyone else around horribly. Tom Hardy's Max, in a twisted turn of events, ends up on this car chase with them. He ends up helping the women. Now, despite the title of the film and the main character being male, and the whole thing taking place in the apocalyptic chaos, Salon points out the feminist messages in the film, including, do not enslave people, and women are not objects, which seems pretty obvious to me. Yeah, definitely (laughs) does. I feel like we don't need to point these out in films, but I guess we do. And also, I feel like those aren't feminist messages. I think those are just like human messages. messages. But it is pretty frightening how it reminds us of the Ariel Castro case that broke in 2013. Immediately when you were talking about this, I was like, yep. We covered it on Morbid and wow. Now, in the early 2000s, Castro kidnapped three women and held them captive in his Ohio home for roughly a decade. One of his victims, Amanda Berry, even gave birth to his child's. Those women didn't need a car chase to get away, but it took bravery on Amanda Berry's part to get her baby out of there. She escaped and ran next door to call 911, which we talk about in our spine-chilling 911 calls episode of Crime Countdown. Yes, we do. Isn't it weird to look at, because this is, uh, you know, Mad Max to me is like a very sci-fi slash action film, you know, like it's got very weird apocalyptic elements and like it's cool and like stylish and like, whoa. And (laughs) And like, whoa. And I think I was telling you, like when I was talking about it before, I was like, it has like those like dudes just like ripping on guitars while they're in this car chase. Yeah, you were saying that. It's a very weird film. But when you look at it through an actual true crime lens and think of it like, Without all like the bells and whistles, this actually happens every yeah. day. It's so much heavier. It and there's really so is. much more to it. Three. Number three on our countdown of female revenge movies is Gone Girl. As promised, this is our second David Fincher-directed movie on the countdown. Gone Girl was released in 2014 and starred Ben Affleck as Nick Dunn, who's heavily judged in the media for the disappearance of his wife Amy, played by Rosamund Pike. Detectives begin to suspect she's been killed, and a lot of suspicious clues point to Affleck, until you reach the second half of the movie. Warning, we've got some spoilers in this one. This movie is great. Oh my god, it's amazing. Amy Dunn goes missing. Detectives start to investigate, and you get a glimpse of how her and Nick's marriage isn't all that great. They used to both be successful writers until the 2008 recession. Now they live in Nick's hometown in Missouri. Living in Missouri, Amy is miserable. And as it turns out, Nick, now a college professor, slept with one of his students. The movie uses a lot of Amy's diary to express what allegedly happened in their marriage, a lot of negative things about Nick and his alleged abuse. It doesn't help Nick's case that he's been pretty much emotionally disconnected from his wife and his marriage, so he has missteps like not knowing his wife's blood type. All of this gets picked up by the media and is sensationalized. Nick becomes the villain and hated by the world. Honestly, it happens in the real world all the time. Oh, yeah. Now the twist, and this is a huge spoiler alert, so 15 seconds, 15 seconds. (laughs) Amy Dunn is not missing or dead. She's faked the entire thing to drag her lazy, cheating husband through the mud. 
There's a lot of mentions of how she's taken out revenge on other boyfriends in the past by allegedly faking rape allegations. And she does it again with an ex-boyfriend played by Neil Patrick Harris, who she claims kidnapped her, held her captive, and raped her until she was able to kill him and escape. In the end, she returns home to Nick. Maybe one of the most elaborate revenge plots ever. So elaborate. And when you get to the end of that movie, you're like, well, let's restart that from the top because I don't know what just happened. Yeah, you're like, now I have to watch every scene in a totally different way. So good. Now, there's an actual true crime case from March of 2015, the kidnapping of Denise Huskins that was called the real life gone girl in the press. I remember this one. Denise and her husband claimed someone broke into their home and they kidnapped Denise. While she was still missing, police even held a press conference saying it was all a lie. Turns out, the couple was telling the truth. A man was eventually arrested and charged. Can you imagine that mistake? You hold a press conference being like, yep, nothing to be worried about. They're liars. Being like, pants on fire here. Right? Guys, don't worry about it. Seriously. Now, unlike the movie, Denise's revenge was on the police when she sued the department and was awarded $2.5 million. Get it, Denise. Which she deserved. Oh, I was waiting for Gone Girl to show up on this. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, it's got to be in here. It's such a good one. I never thought about Mad Max Fury Road being a revenge movie. Yeah, I've never actually seen it. And so when it was on the list, I was like, wait, what? And then when you got into it, I was like, oh, okay, I guess that does make sense. Yeah, when I first saw it, I was like, Mad Max, like, what are you talking? And then I was like, you know what? You're 100% correct. It is a revenge movie. And it's like the main thing for the movie, but you it gets lost a little bit in all the gets craziness. Lost in the sci-fi. In in the mad max of it all. I'm very excited to see what you have for number two. I think you'll like it. I think I might. I'm I'm, I'm open. I think I might. You're like, you know what? I'm here. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm open to like it. I'm ready to hear it. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Two. We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of female revenge movies. At number two is... Foxy Brown. Mm. The opinions and reviews of Foxy Brown, which came out in 1974, seem to all mention the same things. The film is sleazy, sexploitation, with gratuitous nudity, and language, but Pam Greer is amazing. Yep. Which Pam Greer is. If you bring up the film today, it's generally considered a cult classic and made Pam Greer an iconic female hero. April 5th, 1974, Foxy Brown hit theaters. It stars Pam Greer in what many now consider her breakout role after she initially worked as a receptionist at American International Pictures. 
The plot of the movie is simple. Foxy Brown's dating a narcotics agent who's murdered. She decides to get revenge on his killers and goes undercover as a sex worker. The quick wit of the character and how she's able to get out of tough situations is what audiences and critics liked about it. A little over-the-top kind of action, but it's it's amazing. <laughs> Along with the love of the character and Pam Greer comes criticism of the movie's sexploitation and gratuitous nudity. It was also criticized for stereotyping urban communities of just being places filled with gangs, drugs, and sex workers. But the controversial elements thankfully seem secondary in responses to seeing a black lead character finally be the hero, albeit a vigilante. The Foxy Brown character was so legendary, it inspired Beyonce's character, Foxy Cleopatra, <laughs> an Austin Powers and Gold member, and inspired the name of rapper Foxy Brown, who brings the true crime link to this story. Full circle. Full circle. Foxy Brown the rapper has had more than her fair share of legal woes. In 1997, Foxy was accused of spitting on hotel workers. Gross. In 1999, she got in trouble for yelling obscenities on stage in Trinidad. In 2000, Foxy crashed her Land Rover while driving without a license. Ooh. In 2002, she allegedly punched a policewoman in Jamaica. In 2006, she was convicted and sentenced with three months probation for assaulting two manicurists in 2004. Ooh. While in prison for violating her probation, she racked up three more violations. So two very different Foxy Browns, both legendary in their own ways. <laughs> yeah, you could say uh, you know, so. Yeah, I don't think that's false. No. Have you seen Foxy Brown? So I haven't seen the movie itself, but I watched Scream Queens and one of the characters in that movie is like obsessed with Foxy Brown. Yep. So I feel like through watching that, yes, I have seen Foxy Brown. They also show it in Urban Legend. Yes, they do. And, I yeah, forgot about that. The security guard who's an amazing part of the movie and it's like a big part of the movie. She kind of saves the day in a way. She absolutely does. She's watching it and she's like mimicking the Foxy Brown character and it's amazing. So good. Pam Greer is is it in that movie. An it girl. I mean, she's just it. One. And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top 10 female revenge movies. Kill Bill, Volumes 1 and 2. There it is. Revenge is a dish best served cold. That's probably a line you've heard before, but it's from the Kill Bill saga. No clue what exactly it means, so translate it as you wish. But it shows how memorable Kill Bill is when it comes to the concept of revenge, and the fact that it was once a four-hour movie that needed to be cut into two parts makes it the epic female revenge movie. Quentin Tarantino was reported as saying, quote, I made it as one movie and I wrote it as one movie. But in post-production, he split it into two parts to avoid having a four-hour film. Smart. Cannot blame him. <laughs> yeah. Which probably worked out for the best because together they made box office bank when they came out in 2003 and 2004. I saw these movies. I didn't see them in theaters, but I saw them uh, when I worked at a video store. <laughs> I oh my God. I saw them. Yep. They're so good. So for those of you like me who have not seen them, 
Sorry to admit. I just love a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, I do too, actually, but I haven't seen these. But yeah, so for those of you who have not seen it, Uma Thurman, who is simply called The Bride, is attacked and left for dead on her wedding day. FYI, check out Crime Countdown, Tragic Wedding Crimes episode. Just a little plug plug there. Hey, yo. Now, the bride does not die. Spoiler alert. She wakes up after four years in a coma and then sets out to get revenge on the group of killers called the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad, or Divas, who tried to murder her. That group was hired by the bride's lover, Bill. Her plan is to work through the list of four assassins and end with the grand finale of Killing Bill. In the first film, she goes after assassins played by Vivica A. Fox and Lucy Liu. Actor Sonny Chiba shows up in the film as the guy who's trained Bill. He then makes a sword for Uma Thurman to use against Bill, which is an odd twist. But he does have a warning for her about revenge and getting too wrapped up in it. He tells Uma Thurman, revenge is never a straight line. It's a forest, and like a forest, it's easy to lose your way, to get lost, to forget where you came in. And the first movie ends on a cliffhanger. Dun dun dun. But then we get to volume two. Tarantino starts the second movie with a recap of the first. Uma Thurman's character states ironically in the beginning, quote, When I woke up, I went on what the movie advertisements referred to as a roaring rampage of revenge. I roared and I rampaged and I got bloody satisfaction. In volume two, she goes after assassins played by Michael Madsen and Daryl Hannah, leading up to her main goal, Bill. Now, volume three, is that a thing? Quentin Tarantino recently went on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast and talked about the possibility of a third Kill Bill. He said, quote, I think it's just revisiting the characters 20 years later and just imagining the bride and her daughter, Bibi, having 20 years of peace, and then that peace is shattered. In 2004, he said the daughter of Vivica A. Fox's character, Nikki, would return in volume three to go after Uma Thurman's character for killing her mother. Makes sense. It does. As Uma's character said to Nikki in the first movie, quote, it was not my intention to do this in front of you. For that, I'm sorry, but you can take my word for it. Your mother had it coming. When you grow up, if you still feel raw about it, I'll be waiting. Revenge is like really a deadly cycle. It truly is. Now, as Tarantino put it, quote, Nikki deserves her revenge every bit as much as the bride deserved hers. True. Now, there's not much in the way of a real Kill Bill in true crime. It has some similarities to the mob where revenge is just a way of life, or even cases involving kingpins. But it does bring an interesting point to someone being left for dead and surviving extraordinarily. In 2011, a woman in London was shot by her husband with a taser and then buried alive. I know this case. This is a horrific case. She dug her way out and survived. Yep and her partner and his cohort were arrested, and the partner was found guilty of attempted murder. Wild. Dug her way out. Yup. Wow. Yeah. So that was definitely number one. I would say so. But I also- a two for one. I have one that was left off. <gasps> what is it? Last House on the Left. Crazy revenge story, and Whoa. one of the most horrible ones. I didn't even think of that. Wes Craven, how you leaving off Wes Craven? That could have been like, I feel like that would have had to have been tied. Like number two and one would have definitely Yeah, tied. that could have been really high on the list just for sheer brutality in that film because yeah. it's, and I mean the motivation for the revenge that like their daughter gets raped and mm -hmm. left for dead and the parents just are like, oh, that's that. Yeah. That's a wild one. That'll so. do it. It's been a while since I came up with one. I feel excited about you it. bested them. <laughs> you know how I love to best you. 
Honestly, podcast research gods. Just thinking about like revenge as a whole throughout this countdown though, I'm like, wow, there's like a lot of people out in the world who like kind of do deserve to get some revenge. It's true. But then when you think about it, what does it get you? Well, that's the thing. It doesn't get any of these characters anything and and they're made up. So no. it's like, if you can't even make up a good ending for somebody getting true revenge, it's like, is it really worth it? Yeah, going back to the list, I don't know if you guys realize, but I really love Promising Young Woman. And I think that's a, almost a cautionary tale about revenge. Yeah, I think a, a few of these could be for yeah, sure. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other podcast shows for free on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And you made it this far, so I feel like you like us too. And you can hang out with us more. You can listen to Morbid anywhere you listen to podcasts. Or you can follow us on Twitter at a Morbid Podcast or on Instagram at Morbid Podcast. And we hope you keep it weird until Monday, but not vengeful. Crime Countdown is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan. Fact checking by Lori Siegel. Research by J.K. Heo. It's produced by John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Jonathan Ratliff. With production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Ash Kelly and Elena Urquhart. I'm Sarah Turney, host of the new Spotify original from Parcast, Disappearances. Every Thursday, join me for an exploration into history's most gripping missing persons cases. Following timelines, analyzing clues, and piecing together as many answers as possible to find the truth. From prison breaks and child abductions to second chances and even murder. We'll journey through the many reasons people disappear. Follow my new podcast, Disappearances, free and only on Spotify.